So it's hello climate change, waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. It's totally selfish. I need these conversations, you know. And, and so I'm very excited. I feel selfishly excited that Jen Burke said yes to doing this with me because I've only met you once and mm -hmm. everything you said felt like a cool drink of water. Like, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know very little about you. Yeah. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell, yeah. tell me something? So I am a farmer and organizer, I guess, if I had to choose a couple labels. Okay. Many things, but yeah, so. You can use a few more. If yeah, you want. yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of what I think about when I think about climate change is also just my relationships in general of like, being a friend and a daughter and all those things, I think, mm. are really key. A neighbor, like, so I think I have my, like, paid job as a farmer. I do a lot of organizing outside of that, but then community in terms of climate change and change in general. Yeah. Uh. And, uh, wow, that's, <laughs> I didn't know the farmer thing, and I'm very excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Because someone asked me the other day, well, what do you what do you want to be doing? Because I was complaining yeah. about the things that I was doing that I didn't want, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, I said I want to turn my whole, my yard into an edible oasis. Ah, That's what yes. I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we could talk about that too. But yeah. but I, the thing that that grabbed me uh, there was a few things you said. Mm -hmm. So I met you at a conversation that Sarah Bowie and others organize, but yeah. she seems to be sort of the, the visionary in yeah. front of it. I don't really know exactly, but that's the way it looks from my angle. Mm -hmm. um, so, and she was my last guest, I believe. My yeah, most recent I was listening guest. to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you're wondering what I'm talking about, then go back to that previous episode. Um, anyway, so, so Jen was there, mm -hmm. and you were talking about, it's, it's been a while now, so yeah. I'm trying to remember, but there were a few things. One was some activism that you've been doing mm -hmm. and how you've moved more towards local, mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But I, why don't you tell a little bit about that history, what you've done and yeah. what you've figured out. And yeah, so I, I think I've always been, I'm one of those people that I think was always political. Like you tell the like your origin story of how did you become and get... You know, I grew up in a family that wasn't, you know, we just went to, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire. We went to, like, a town meeting. It was, like, part of, I read the newspaper from a young age. But I think, and then I came to Clark to go to college, and I had all these ideas. I was going to be an American government major. I was going to go to Washington. I was gonna, I had a real idea of, like, how change would happen. And then I... Um, started going to, it was kind of the end of the anti-globalization movement. Hmm. Um, Say more about that because I don't yeah, have Yeah, so of kind of like I, the, oh, this the was famous like battle in Seattle kind of. Uh, this was like in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, so this was, yeah, I was kind of coming in after when it was all kind of falling apart. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was the early 2000s. Right. But, uh, you know, fighting these kind of big financial institutions like the WTO that, you know, have effect on the trade policy. Right, but also, and, yeah. and at that time they were relaxing the yeah. rules basically yeah. so that in a lot of people's view it made it easier to exploit yeah Work, um, yeah workers, workers in other and, parts of the world right yeah and and for goods here yeah so i my, actually my first semester at college i went to a protest um in miami against the free trade area of the americas which was one of these many trade agreements that we're going through and you know it completely kind of changed how i thought about I think being a white person from a small town and really believing in like, 
oh, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna say my piece and people will listen to me. It's just, it's a very privileged and like mm -hmm. naive position, I think. Because I saw, you know, there were like riot cops in the police and in the right. streets. And that was kind of the beginning. You know, and I still did a lot. I started doing a lot of climate change organizing because that was becoming increasingly, uh, I went to power shifts, which were like these big, I think they still do them, but uh, convergences of college students to talk about climate change and what you could do on your campus. When and was that? I think that first one was 2005, 2006. This is around when, uh, what's his name's? Documentary came out. Yeah, yeah. Came, was, what can I think of? Uh, yeah, Al Gore. Al Gore. Yeah, right. yeah. It was definitely like right around where I feel like the consciousness about this right. was really starting to become mainstream, it was mainstream and yeah. really it was a movement. Mm -hmm. It felt like, um, and I was going to a lot of these national conventions and doing these protests and lobbying and all of these things. Um, at, That's you know, huge. You yeah, and it was awesome. It. But it was also in a way like kind of disempowering um, in the way that sometimes I just felt like I'm one of these thousands of people and in some way there are some times where that feels really amazing mm -hmm. and other times where I felt like asking people in power for the answers didn't always feel like I feel like climate change is happening we maybe just making the change that I want to see around me in the wh where I am felt really like where, where I was called to be. Like mm -hmm. I think some people I know are really good at going and talking to their senator mm -hmm. and like, at, you know, making these bills, get these bills through or going, I have friends that have gone to the big climate change, the, the UN negotiation, yeah. you know, and that for them that feels powerful. And But for me, you know, and I think another thing I saw was um, Hurricane Katrina I ended up going down there for just like a short like couple weeks on my like winter break and uh, this was a year and a half after the hurricane oh, wow. but it was still to see the effects of that and the effects of how we responded to it even more so mm -hmm. and that kind of got me thinking well what is that how does what if that happened in Worcester what are those like those kind of ideas of how do we be resilient I think kind of I started moving more towards that that was kind of a yeah yeah. Let me just back up and say we are recording this in Worcester, yeah. Massachusetts, <laughs> on the Clark University campus today, which yeah. is this is the third time I've recorded one here. Oh, I usually yeah. record them at my house in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. So people who are listening might yeah. orient themselves. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> There's a lot you just said there that I'm trying to pick apart in my mind, <laughs> one of them being that you went lobbying. So yeah. tell me about what that was like, a little more about oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, I think... For me, like a lot of times, you're given like a script, like a. What, so who's, two, who's giving you the script? Is it with I, a with yeah. a or a, um, organization? Yeah. yeah, I guess at that point it was probably when I was going with this, this power power shift. I think was organized by a few oh, okay. kind of large environmental. Um, so like groups. in similar to like what, what 350.org. Yeah, is. and they yeah. were a big part of organizing though. They okay. were like. Or kind of like whatever the iteration of that was before it was I 350 okay. or what it was. But, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they kind of give you this handout. Right. And I think part of it is, you know, you want to know what the talking points are of yeah. what a bill might do or might not do. Mm -hmm. um, but and I think something we t I touched upon uh, when we met was, you know, for me, like stories and 
personal stories, fictional stories. Those are all, I think, it, oftentimes it's hard for me to read a canned thing and say, well, 20% reduction in you know, emissions in this time. That's important, uh, especially in the time we're in now of like people not even understanding what hacks are. <laughs> but for me, that it always, how do I connect with someone on a level that is not reading off a piece of paper? Right, like human being to human yeah. being. Yeah. And why I care about this yeah. topic. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and then what the part mm -hmm. about the choosing to, um, focus locally made mm -hmm. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I really struggle back and forth with this. I had a yeah. conversation. I was, it occurred to me, oh, I'll bring this up with you and see what <laughs> you say, because I haven't shared this with, you know, with the podcast audience yet. But, um, so the other day I was in my co-op mm -hmm. buying my groceries. I saw my friend who goes to, who's an activist and who's been a guest on mm -hmm. this, um, podcast and he was telling me, um, they've been, they, whoever the they is, it's, I don't know what the group is that he's part of at this point, but she said they've, they've been doing some street corners active, you know, holding signs on Friday at such and such a time every week. Mm -hmm. And like at least 30 people shows up and it's really great and mm -hmm. all this. And, and I, maybe it was in the mood I was in. I said, that's great, but I hate to be cynical, but what difference does it make? Yeah. And, um, the answers that I got back were, I mean, I, I felt bad for saying it, so I kind of backpedaled some, but I think it was mostly the most, what I heard back mostly was just that it's a, something. It's better than doing nothing mm -hmm. and that it, it's uh, nourishing to the people doing it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I remember one thing you mentioned when I met you before about chaining yourself to TD Bank. Yeah. <laughs> like that gets in the way of something. Yeah. And that, that's like, I, I, I really can't recommend enough going back to the old Gandhi movie to understand where the idea of nonviolent protest ar arises from. If it's, if it's obedient, it doesn't, it, it's, it has to actually disrupt something yeah. to, to bring something to the surface about um, how we're being controlled by a system rather mm -hmm. than by our humanity. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to me or to my friend or how would you, add your drop of perspective to, to that conversation that was maybe not that well thought out <laughs> on my part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something I struggle with, and especially now, like, post-election. Yeah. I think seeing there's so many people that are like, I want to do something. And, right. like, you know, not everyone. Someone, I was, I was at a, like, post-inauguration, uh, post-women's march, of like conversation yeah. and one of the people there kind of like had turned and was like, well, Jen got arrested and I like, f like, you know, chaining themselves to the bank and, but I can't do that. So what do I do? And like, I struggle with like, how do you push? Cause I do think disruption and like, like economic and like PR, like harm to the systems yeah. does, you know, change these corporations that are they you know they want to make money mm -hmm. and if something isn't seen as like because you know the the goal of that action is to get these banks to take their money out of the dakota access pipeline right there you know and you're see, i think I've, you can see that in a lot of even the natural gas pipelines all over the country mm -hmm. if it's it's becoming less 
profitable. Like, I'd like people to do things because they realize that, you know, we shouldn't poison our water. But, like, yeah. and those conversations are, I think, realizing whether you're fighting a system and whether your action is to try to stop that system or at least gum it up, mm -hmm. or if it is to change people's minds or push people somewhere. To, and those are two different things, and sometimes they can be the same thing. But, yeah, I guess that's what I, I, I often struggle with, like, that question. In one of these conversations I had with my husband, yeah. <laughs> and he was talking about how we need to convince those in power, basically, or those controlling the, the resources of the yeah. world, that it's in their best interest to share yeah. or whatever. And I, and I had this reaction in the moment, which was, um, no, I don't yeah. need their, I, I don't think, if you, if you think of it like, uh, and I've said this before, so forgive me if you've heard this before, listening, listening people, um, if we're sitting at a table and there's a pie and there's somebody who's got the, the knife and is cutting it up and is taking half for themselves and there's someone at the other end of the table who's starving, mm -hmm. we don't need that person's buy-in that yeah. that other person at the end of the table matters. We need to figure out how to say, no, Yeah. you don't get to control the pie. Yeah. And that's that's the... Some people are in the system because they're they that's they're getting a little piece because mm -hmm. they're helping to 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 prop up this sort of inequality. Yeah. Most of us are in, most yeah. of us are in, <laughs> that. in that situation. We don't have much choice. Like if we're not yeah. community organize like union organizers or farmers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading uh, Hannah Arendt. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but she sounds familiar. Wrote a lot about basically. Nazi Germany and totalitarianism and um, one of the things just like talking about like you know you have this active resistance against that of you know people um, who you think you know obviously war is an active resistance <laughs> but all, within Germany who people who like the Black Rose Society who leafleted and were killed for it but then there's also these people who just did very tiny, like, bureauc bure boring bureaucratic things to just slow the bureaucracy because, like, we want to believe that these people at the... but uh, are, ter like, evil, and mm -hmm. maybe some of them are. I don't... Like, the nature of evil, like, that's, like... I don't know. <laughs> that's not an answer I have, but, like, yeah. to think, like, the thing... They, they were basically... She was basically talking about the countries where they just were, like... Uh, yeah, we're not going to get... We can't find that list of Jews right now. Like, there are literally right. countries that did that. Yeah. Um, and just... I One of my friends who's an organizer, she's a older Puerto Rican woman, and sometimes she just uses, like, the idea of, like, her maybe being, like, somewhat forgetful because of her age to, like, get to what she wants. And that, I think, it can be... Because she knows, she's like, I'm not going to try to convince the people I'm working with of why I should be doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it. And because of who I am, no, no one is going to fire me. They're mm -hmm. just going to be oh, well, don't do that next time. Uh, and I think we're all in the, these different positions. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm interested in, like, how can we yeah, resist those systems in a way that doesn't feel like I 
because the person that was talking to me about, I can't change myself to a bank. It's like, I have a family to support. I will lose my job if I get arrested, and I can't not support like my family. And that's like real. That's like, and I think there's a real like. This is the best, you know. Like I don't. I was reading this article by uh, Alicia Garza, who's one of the Black Lives Matters founders, and she was talking about kind of the backlash from the women's march of like, it wasn't this, and it wasn't enough of this. It was, you know, it didn't center women of color enough, or, you know, it's great that people showed up to the march, but there's no next steps, and all these kind of critiques. And she was saying, okay, it's important to have critiques, but also, like, if people haven't been engaged before, like, think back to who you were when you first became involved in movements, and, like, the person that was patient with you and explained things to you, and you know, got you from the point where you were like, I don't know how to make a sign. I don't know if I want to, I made this, you know, I made a sign and I showed up, but like, what do I do now? To considering themselves an organizer or, like, and I think that's like the real interesting question to me right now of like how we take all these people that are looking for something and help them find what that is. In a way that can sometimes be critical, but not tearing people down mm. I think I see that yeah a lot yeah it's like it's like how do you there's a huge leap it feels like people need to take in order to see themselves as a leader yeah they see a gap then they can be creative and figure out a yeah. way to fill it or they see yeah. um they even within your own self if you yeah. have a question about how because you can be stuck there you know in this place where it's like I I'm concerned but I don't know what to do mm-hmm but you can actually make a plan for yourself to find out, figure out what to do. Yeah. You can think of three people you could talk to who might, you know, whose who's, who's engagement you admire and whose thinking you admire. Yeah. Or three people who just know you well, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. know what your strengths are. I mean, they don't necessarily have to have all the answers, but, you know, yeah. that's just like one example of yeah. how to get started. Yeah. Hmm. Big question. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it, I mean, does that, does that, is that kind of what you're getting at is the idea of the, the, how do you flip that switch? Yeah. 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 How do you flip the switch? And then once the, the switch is flipped, then what? Right. Cause I think that's like, we're seeing so much now of people who right. woke up the day after the election and like realized this country is very different than they mm-hmm. thought it was mm-hmm. and are trying to do something. Right. But then are like what do you well, then what do you do <laughs> like so yeah well i mean what would you say if someone came up to you and said jen what should i do <laughs> yeah where would you have them start yeah, i think try it's hard because and i think this is why i do kind of local organizing mm-hmm. i think there's you know there's these great lists that people send out of like here are the five action steps you could take this, this week and that's great yeah that for me, it's like knowing someone and saying like, oh, you're really artistic. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you make some art that reflects this? Right. Or, um, well, what, like, what are you drawn to? Like, being able to have the relationship mm. to have a conversation that mm. really feels like it fits into their life. Yeah, that's the thing that just occurred to me was... 
there's a question back, which is, well, what what do you have to give? Yeah. And it doesn't, and it isn't a judgmental question. No. Because for somebody, it's like, well, I'm raising a three-year-old, and that, mm -hmm. that child needs my attention 20 hours a week, and I have this other thing 10 hours a week. I mean, this is what I've got. I've got two hours a week. Yeah. And I can't yeah. get arrested. That's yeah. like, those are my, but I'd be happy to stuff envelopes. Yeah. Okay, so now it's a question of, well, well, where, what, what issue are you fired up about? Because mm -hmm. there's all different angles to yeah. come, come at this from. It's, it's interesting you brought up like having like a three-year-old. Like, so I live in a house with, uh, it's a married couple, and they have two small kids, and then my one of our other friends, and um, one, the woman that I live uh, that has the three-year-old and kind of a, just seven months now. Um, was saying like a few weeks ago, like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And I was like, you realize you went to two protests this week? <laughs> like <laughs> she had gone to two protests that were like um, based around the Muslim ban and immigration. Mm -hmm. And like you were raising like <laughs> two children. <laughs> uh, and like also she was, she's been hosting these just Sunday morning get togethers with uh, mostly her mom friends. Mm -hmm but a few other people, just to like, how, how are we processing the news? I was like, right. that, that's, that's for awesome. me, that's like a great space to be able to drink some coffee and like look at the paper and yeah. just do it in a way that is like reflective with other people. Um, and she also like, you know, she showed up the day I was being arrested and being able to like look out into a crowd and see like her and other people's faces. Like mm -hmm. I talked about this before of like, that felt like I, there's two of us that are getting arrested mm -hmm. and then there's, there was about 10 other people that did like active things in terms of like they were talking to the police for us so they were getting us water, they helped us transport things there, called the media. But then there was a whole other bunch of people that were just like, we're gonna be there, we're gonna hold signs and be an emotional support. And that to me, like I would not have done it mm -hmm. if, all of those people right there. That's that's an important thing to say. Yeah. I think for people who have never gotten close to nonviolent protest mm -hmm. activism in that sense, don't really know that someone who changed themselves to a bank <laughs> is not like some crazy rogue person by yeah. themselves. Yeah. It's it's a group of people who just work to they see this issue and they work together to decide what actually can we do that will force the people in power yeah. to acknowledge that there's something going on that's mm -hmm. that's going to disrupt their agenda? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's the narrative mm -hmm. we're taught. Like yeah. that, like what Rosa Parks just mm -hmm. was tired and like sat down. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, like and not that it was, she was part of a movement and there were trainings and there were other people that like also also did that yeah. and that, you know, it's like Rosa Parks and like Martin Luther King, and that's the civil rights yeah. movement. And it's like, there were so many people that some of them got arrested in those marches, and then some of them were the people that were like, taking care of someone's kid, or like, right. cooking Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks something to eat. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and that, that if yeah. all of those people were working together, Right. Or sometimes not work together. Sometimes they were probably in conflict, right. but right. they were working too as a goal. Right. And yeah, I think we're just not taught that at all. Mm. That's like a real history that we have to discover. 
While I'm thinking of it, I should mention that any resources, I'm going to get you to oh, try yeah. to send me like links to articles that you mm -hmm. mentioned. But um, so any anything that we talk about that um, that is a resource, uh, I try to put those in the show notes yeah. for the episode. So hellocc.info is the website for the podcast, and you can find all the show notes for every episode there. One of the thoughts I had was when you were talking about your housemate who yeah. feels like they're not doing enough, I feel like that feeling comes out of a sense of urgency, which comes out of our feeling bad about the situation. Mm -hmm. All of those things make sense that we'd have those feelings, but like sometimes I think you just have to feel bad about the situation. Mm. And like that, the idea of having a group where people process their feelings about it and nothing actually happens, quote unquote, still is, has so much value because otherwise, like one thing that I'm seeing a lot of um, are people kind of searching for something to do with that urgency, that feeling of like, this is terrible, this is scary, I, I have to do something. And they glom on to not necessarily the first thing they see, but the first thing that resonates with the feelings they have. If they're angry, here's a way to get back at Trump sort of thing. Yeah. Let's make him feel bad because yeah. that's all he understands. Or you know, And for me, that feels like, no, that's not going to work. He dismisses yeah. anything negative about himself, <laughs> and he will continue to do so. Yeah. It's actually, how do we take the power out of his hands? Like, you know, like if he's the guy with the pie, how do we take, no, no, no. We'll give you a piece. You will be cared for just like everyone else. If people are in this mind frame that everything is a power grab, mm -hmm. they're not going to get let go because that's survival. Mm -hmm. It's survival. They're in a survival mode. Mm -hmm. And... It seems to me like we have to challenge that, and yeah. that's love. Yeah. Challenge that with firmness and resoluteness mm -hmm. and decisiveness, but still saying, you know, this isn't about punishing you for being bad. Mm -hmm. So that's, anyway, that's my little, oh. I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. But. <laughs> no, I completely, completely agree. I was, um, yeah, there's a couple of things that you, I think, like one, I mean, one of my friends invited me to this Facebook event that's basically just like a pledge like I will like don't feed into Trump's like like the engaging in him as a person basically mm. like don't read all these articles about like which I've read so I can like have you know like, he walks around in his bathrobe you know he's not, all these you know, he's yeah. not taking it seriously or he is taking it seriously or this is what he thought about SNL this week you know like yeah, all of this yeah. stuff is like it's a distraction from like, and I, there's a few websites out there. Um, like one I think is called like tracking Trump. And it's just like, here are the like actual things that are like policies or executive orders that he did today. That's important. And like, yeah. okay. Not Stripped like, away from he, the... Yeah. Not what he tweeted, like yeah. not, and like not engaging with him as like a person, but as like, what are the like yeah. policy things he right. does? And one of you know, like, because one of the things I fear is I imagine him just like watching us all freak out and him just sitting there kind of laughing at us. Like, That's exactly what know, it, like, <laughs> look at them all. Yeah, like, it's who only cares? Been, like, three weeks or a month or whatever. And yeah. like, there are, like, they're going to burn themselves out from yeah. all of this stress. Mm. And I also think one of the other things about being emotional. And like, I, I, someone had said something recently, and I was getting in an argument with them about 
uh, they were like, it's not the time to be emotional, we have to be strategic. And I was pushing back at that and saying, well, you have to be both. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I am not capable of a person of like taking away that emotional part of it. And if we don't take the emotional part into the strategy, it seems like it's going to fail. Hmm. Like if we, we, we can't get cut, like, I don't, you know, don't want to get weighed down by feeling that overwhelmed. Hmm. And I, I have days where I'm just like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, eat some candy and <laughs> watch television. <laughs> think, you know, like, and I think that's okay too, you know, like, but, uh, to know that, like, yeah, engage. Don't be afraid to engage with the emotional part of it. I see some people just doing that, and, and maybe that that works for them. Like, I don't. But for me, I'm like, I have to acknowledge that this is like terrifying to me, and this is like, I've I've been in a space with climate change where I'm just dark, dark place at times, but also just knowing like. I think sometimes looking at it and say, okay, this is how I feel and talking to people about it can be enough to like, okay, now I can keep doing something. Right. No, I totally agree with you. I, I think we have a fundamental misunderstanding in our culture about what emotions are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like that they're, so this is how I parse it. The, it looks to me like the, that misunderstanding is that emotions are weakness. Mm-hmm. They get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I th- would counter that with is emotions are the expression of emotion mm-hmm. is the way we heal. Oh, yeah. And so if you skip that, then you don't fully heal and you internalize um, some kind of mis. Misunderstanding maybe is not. It feels like the wrong word, but but wrong idea about what the circumstances are. So, as an example, like if somebody told you you were stupid when you were a kid, mm-hmm. and you didn't get anybody any room to like process what that felt like, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't you wouldn't get a chance to notice that that was something that was hurting you, that that it it doesn't line up with reality, that it's that it's you know that it's that it doesn't re- line up with reality instead mm-hmm. you step on top of it maybe you fight past it but on some level like you're still carrying that around yeah so um yeah yeah so, so with trump you know or not just with trump but with the people who let me say it this way the people who are vulnerable to his message mm-hmm. in terms of like that they're 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 deceived by it yes like when when we interact, you know, us on on the side. I mean, we we didn't even have to. I mean, we, well, we know where we each other are at, mm-hmm. but but um, there's those of us who are on this kind of feeling the same about things, mm-hmm. and then there's these people who are feeling very very differently, right in our country, yeah. right in our families, whatever. If we don't get a chance to feel yeah. separate from them, how scared we are, frustrated we are by how they're seeing things, then how do we ever get to, to engage with them on a level where you can actually be constructive? Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so we're <laughs> preaching to our own little choir yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk to me about farming. Yeah. So I, and that was, for me, 
you know, I was in my, my mid-20s, and I was kind of searching for, like, what am I going to do? Mm. And I ended up getting a job working with refugees in right outside Worcester, um, helping them create this farm. Because mm. a lot of them had come from agricultural communities. Um, some of them wanted to do it as a little bit of a business, but some of them were just trying to grow uh, just culturally relevant foods that they can't find right. here. Um, and so I got that job, and, you know, I was doing it, and I was like, the thing I, this, being, far, farming, being connected to the seasons, having a tangible, like, tangible failures and successes mm -hmm. felt really important to me and as a way to move through the world. And so I, after that summer, that it kind of like a short, like, stipend position, I, uh, Ended up the next summer moving to Maine for six months and doing an organic farming apprenticeship up there to see, like, okay, is this is this what I want to... Do I like this as much as I think I do? Like, mm -hmm. when I'm doing it, you know, 60 hours a week right. in the cold, rainy spring of Maine and then in the hot <laughs> summer. And, you know, I remember... I had, and I said, all right, yeah, that I liked that. And so then I ended up... Um, getting this job that I have now, um, which I was very underqualified when I started, but I'm the farm manager at Dismas Family Farm, which is about 20 minutes outside of Worcester, mm. and it's a it's a real interesting farm. It's a also it's connected to an organization, Dismas House, that does work with ex-prisoners. Can you spell it? What? It's D I S M A S. Okay. Um, and so we have an old farmhouse, old barn that. You know, very traditional, classic New England, if you imagine what a farm looks like. Um, and 11 men who have some kind of uh, involvement in the um, prison system. So some of them come right from prison um, to us on parole or probation. Some of them uh, are uh, have criminal records but maybe an addiction and maybe come because they need a safe place to be, but aren't coming right out of jail. Mm -hmm. um, and they come, and we work, we work on the farm together, and we make a CSA, which is community-supported agriculture. So people sign up. They get a box of vegetables all summer. Um, and we have like animals. Weekly, yeah. yeah, so, um, and, you know, for me, that also just feels, I mean, you know, I wanted to it because it was healing for me, and then to work with other people and have that be a part of the healing that they need. Um, and I also just, in terms of climate change, being a far like it felt like a real tangible thing, a, a tangible skill. I, I'm slowly as I, I've been working there for five years, and as I did it, I've become more and more into winter growing and really thinking like, well, how do we feed ourselves in Massachusetts when it's February and there's two feet of snow on the ground, and you know everyone's used to eating whatever they want. Right. When what did you what have you figured out so far? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like get deep joy from like discovering that there's still a turnip in my oh, I'm so like <laughs> cool uh, we built a walk-in cooler, which uh -huh. is like slightly more high tech than just a traditional root cellar, but mm -hmm. still are like learning from like kind of what you know past generations in New England have done. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a lot of delicious root vegetable. <laughs> and I'm, I'm always amazed, like, um, just, you know, I'll, you know, read a piece of paper that says, like, well, you know, arugula will survive down to, you know, 25 degrees or whatever, like, but I'll go, I'll, I'll go in and it'll be, like, December 1st and it'll have been cold and I'm like, ah, oh, the arugula must be dead and then still alive, <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, amazing, the resilience of, like, plants. Yeah. And just using really, like, there's so many smart farmers out there, and I think the farming, actually, instead of going to the Women's March, I went to a farming conference, and I, I really, like, Makes sense. hemmed and hawed over that, oh, yeah, of, yeah. like, do I want, this seems like some, some place I might need to be, but going to a farming conference on that weekend, and then they were streaming in one of the rooms, oh, the cool. speeches from the March, it felt very, like, I literally called my mom, and I was like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, because it felt like there were so many people talking about, like, how do we do this smarter? Mm-hmm. How do we connect more people to this? It, with knowing the real, like, environmental challenges that exist. Yeah. Cli- but how are we working? Because we're seeing climate change. Like, we, I had, like, Massachusetts had the worst drought we've seen in decades um, and this past summer. And I, I mean, I think that's climate change. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. some people will deny that but whether it is or it isn't we have to be adaptable to that right um and yeah. so still being able to have turnips in february after that summer feels really hopeful to yeah, me yeah. to have something that i can keep building on and hopefully yeah feeding more and it, it and that's a little bit of an ed, you know education we do a winter farmer's market and then i do a very small winter CSA with like basically my friends because it's a little easier to be like email people but you ate all the beets but we still get turnips or we still get parsnips or um uh, (laughs) I'm gonna explain to you why you really should love kohlrabi you know like right right uh and doing the that kind of because people are looking okay I want to I do want to eat more locally because I see why it Mm. is you know more environmentally sustainable and but also, I have to cook dinner in the next half an hour, <laughs> like, <laughs> or yesterday. Like, I needed to cook it totally an hour ago. We're going like it's far, far into the weeds. But why should you love kohlrabi? <laughs> I mean, if you don't love kohlrabi, you shouldn't. Have, but I, it's I, the one that I'm not. You know, it's like I know every. I'm like very versed, but kohlrabi is always like the frontier for me. Oh yeah. So the, yeah. I like kohlrabi because. I have I grow this variety called giant kohlrabi, uh-huh. and it's literally the size of our heads. It's oh, like wow. huge, That's awesome. which makes people because normally you see kohlrabi like I think most people if they know yeah, even know what it is it's pretty size, small yeah. yeah, and that you could just take this giant I just grate like a little bit off and it makes like in the middle of the winter it has like a kind of like moisture to it um, for like a, a salad type. Like sort of like take the place of a celery kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and I I really just it when so much of the vegetables are, that are available right now are kind of starchy and heavy, or you mm. make it to a soup. <laughs> I see. It it's something you it, eat fresh. Yeah, yeah, you can eat it fresh. That just seems like amazing. Yeah, and it keeps. Yeah, exactly. And okay. in July, I'm, I'm less excited about it. Right. Because there's all these other other things, things like lettuce and. Um, yeah. But yeah. What do you do about voles? Oh, I've got so many. Yeah. 
Voles, I had, uh, they were especially bad this past year, I think maybe because there was less for them to eat other places because of the drought. Mm. But uh, I, I'm just, I don't have a good answer for oh, well. more cats. I yeah, that's know. what I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> Yeah, resign. they like destroyed my sweet potato crop. Oh. I would like pull out this giant sweet potato and then I'd be like, oh, look, there's chewed on that end. Yeah. would have been fine if they had chewed on like one and eaten the whole thing, but they right. felt like they had taken a bite <laughs> out of, of like all of them. <laughs> yeah, what's the deal with those I guys? Know, yeah. So picky. I might make some little, I found a design for these little traps you can make that I might make, but I don't know. Well, I'd be interested to hear, <laughs> figure something out. So you said you, you were listening to some episodes, so I'm kind of wondering oh, if there yeah. was any thoughts sparked from that yeah. that you might want to follow up on. Um, you know, and I think something you said a little bit earlier in the conversation where Sarah Bowie was talking about this, like, this, like, this concept of, like, generational trauma mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. the trauma from slavery or, you know, the genocide of a lot of the Native people. And I, like, and, and what you're saying about emotions from our past. And I feel like I've been seeing that a lot, even just in how people engage with, like, the immigration debate being so present of like seeing people and I think a lot of people rightly feel threatened of like they don't have I think of like where I grew up which is northern New Hampshire which is very 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 white Uh, (laughs) and you know even the immigrants that are there are often like eastern European Mm. Um, and uh, also a place that's pretty economically depressed for the Northeast um, and I would say that that's what people imagine like people that are anti you know the kind of the like cliche Trump voter mm. I think I grew up with a lot of those people and there's a lot of I'd heard you know I grew up hearing a lot of like well those people are going to take our jobs and those people are going to and then I part of the reason I moved to Massachusetts was I, I, I wanted to have a broader slightly broader view of like who uh, the world is really large and just to see uh, to get to know people that were different than me but seeing this dialogue about like well, my ancestors came here they did it the right way right like and I've been doing a lot of di- I, um, you know my dad passed away last year and that's also he's a, was always really into of trying to dig out these roots of where his ancestors had come from and so I've been really picking up on that a little mm-hmm. bit and you know uh, I have a portion of my family that I still don't know a lot about that are you know Norwegian and Danish immigrants that kind of came here in the late 1880s but then I also have this legacy of like English like settlers of like some of the first people white people to come and like colonize Nantucket and like that to be able to like grapple with that is something I've been really and to be able to say it and to say like especially doing Standing Rock activism and seeing like how what what parts of Native American culture are still there and have survived and are so resilient and knowing like we, we're so afraid to like acknowledge any of that I think and to really acknowledge like trauma that we has existed in this country. Yeah. I have all of this has, um, I found myself recently reflecting back to being 
a child learning the history of the land that I loved. Yeah. You know, like, wait a minute, this wasn't, like, this was, this belonged to a different culture. Mm-hmm. And my people, now, so my people are, like, on my mom's side, mm-hmm. are, like, from the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like, <laughs> early settlers from England. And then on my dad's side are, I won't, wouldn't go so far as to call them refugees, but mm-hmm. they came from they were Jewish from Eastern Europe mm-hmm. and they came here to escape World War Two mm-hmm. um, before it really you know yeah. before it happened but basically after well actually let me back up my grandfather actually deserted from the army in World uh-huh. War One. Oh, so there's this other layer just popped into mm-hmm. my mind I'm just deciding whether it's okay to talk about but I will I'll talk about because <laughs> it. um, it's not my story it's my mother's story but like my mother had an abortion before she met my father, mm-hmm. before she was married, before it was legal. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid learning that that had happened and having this reaction like, oh, there was a sibling I might have had. Mm-hmm. And I got to live and feeling this weird guilt feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait a minute, I wouldn't exist. I yeah. wouldn't exist. If she had had that child, my, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have ended up married to my dad her life would have gone in yeah. a different direction. And it's like all of these things, like we come, we come into the world inheriting a yeah. whole story that, you know, that made our lives possible that some of it is terrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that the abortion thing is, I'm not, I'm not judging any of yeah. it, but I'm saying. It, it's a hard choice. People are making hard choices, right. The yeah. people who came here and displaced other people, yeah. And that's putting it very mildly, and yeah. you know, <laughs> but, it's like too mildly. But, but, so for some people, that was the reality. They didn't. They weren't mm-hmm. on the front lines of this decision that mm-hmm. our country should manifest itself across the whole yeah. continent. So, and so we come along and we're like, oh no, we feel bad about that, yeah. but it's too late yeah. or something. That's the feeling. Like, and somehow we're at a place in our human development where it's like. We need to grapple with all of it now. Mm-hmm. And we have to somehow divide the pie, whatever the pie happens mm-hmm. to be now, and reseed the fruit that made the pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a lot. Yeah. What do you think makes sense now in terms of coming back to the activism question? Mm-hmm. And I know I kind of feel like well, the answer is probably the same, more of the same, which is look around locally but like when you look at the what's happening with our government right now and what's happening with our EPA Mm -hmm. uh, which is the Environmental Protection Agency Mm -hmm. um, for the government um, which is being basically dismantled from the inside um, what do you find what do you think makes sense as a strategy like if we could Mm -hmm. if we could unite a huge force of people to start picking off one at a time, each of these problems, mm-hmm. where would you start? <laughs> yeah, um, that's such a large question. I know. Maybe it's not fair, but. but yeah, you got to try to answer the large yeah. question. Exactly. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I see these people who are part of the EPA who are like, we're going to save this, like, they're like sending the data to like Canada. Yeah. And actually, there was some really good articles about. Uh, under Stephen Harper in Canada, the 
previous prime minister, I guess was the previous, before Trudeau, he had had a similar war on science, they mm. call it, and how they kind of resisted. And that's just kind of an interesting, like, I feel like in some ways, and actually there was this book club that I, I have, I'm part of, and we read uh, The Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow, and we were talking about um, the Trujillo dictatorship in the Dominican Republic. And someone was like, this is what we need to be doing now. We need to talk to people who have survived under fascism. We have to talk to people who, like, I think that's the, one of the things that, like, nothing, none of this is new, right? Like, but people don't think, oh, I should go talk to the Dominican people in my neighborhood or the Jewish elders in my community or that know, like, they've been here. Like, they, I, I think that is, we, I think we sometimes think we have to, like, know we've never had anyone like Trump before. In some ways, we haven't. We, he's real. But in some ways, the U.S. is, a, we're real powerful, but we're only a part of it. Yeah. And obviously, we're creating a, a huge part right. of the climate problems. But I think really looking of like, where has this happened before? And how has this happened before? And taking the time to do that and taking the time to be, what, because what, you know, Trump plays out his first 100 days or whatever, but we need to lay out our, and that's hard. But I think there's also, I was, you know, there's people who have been doing this work through it all and finding out who those people are in your community mm. and saying, all right, you seem to know. You know, there's always been people that have been trying to resist ICE, for example. How mm. can I help you make sure my neighbor is not deported? Right. You know, and how do I? And it, it's hard because there are these huge, like, giant bureaucracies that are important, right? Like the EPA, <laughs> Like, does a ton of things. My friend works in the wastewater treatment plant in the city. You know, like, mm-hmm. and she, her job is affected by what happens. Right. Or, you know, I, when I was at the seed conference, people were talking about the USDA doing all the seed breeding and having these, like, it's, it's a very small part of what they do. Yeah. But it's still... Um, you know, and then they're saying, like, telling the USDA, don't communicate with anyone, right? right? Like, and those powerful bureaucracies can be taken away, and that is that is scary. But I guess figuring out how to still do the work, even if it's not, yeah, supported, supported or, or allowed, supported. or allowed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Last question. Okay, another big one. <laughs> so I was going back to um, that conversation I was telling you about with the friend, the activist friend at my co-op, mm-hmm. who who I asked. So it's hard to be cynical, but what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, the next phase of that conversation went to. Um, I said I talked about I'd been speaking with a political scientist, a uh, friend of my brother's. I was visiting my brother. Um, so it's not on the podcast, but um, he was talking about the 
all the models that predicted that Trump was going to win, mm. that the Republicans vote, that mm. the people who would oppose them don't. Mm. And so I was saying to him, like, I feel like the work is to change that equation. And, and he said, I, I think it's too late for electoral politics. Mm. And when I heard that, I thought, if we don't have a group system, yeah. then we have, yeah. and then it becomes whoever's got the can command the most power. Yeah. And I just, I didn't continue the conversation <laughs> after that, but I just wondered, am I missing something? I mean, you're, I think of you as an activist. Yeah. And so I was sort of stereotyping my two activist people. <laughs> like, what would you, what do yeah. you agree or what? And it's, a, you know, I, if I had to choose a political, uh, I consider myself an anarchist mm. and I think, you know, the ultimately what I would like to, you know, not have nation states, not yeah. have, you know, have most of the, and you know, people think of anarchism as like, like as chaos, chaos right. but all, if it's just like, let's organize based on what makes sense, what makes in, sense in our community. Yeah. And if we have to talk, you know, like the EPA controls water, but instead of having the EPA control the water, it's like everyone in this watershed is going to meet and we're going to talk about how we, you know, deal with that. And, you know, I was reading uh, some stuff about Eleanor um, Ostrom, I think her name is. She won the Nobel Prize in Economics a few years ago and just did work on, like, how do people care for the commons mm. and how it, people have this idea of, like, the tragedy of the commons. And she kind of disproved that a lot oh, with her work. It's I would really, like to see that because yeah. I've read some of the tragedy of the commons yeah. stuff and I'd like a. A fresh perspective. It's great, you know? And so I think that ultimately that's what I often think of as building up those systems. But you have to engage. I think you have to engage with the system we're in, right? Mm. And, like, I know people who are like, oh, if you're an anarchist, you don't vote. I'm like, that takes me, at most, the time it is taking me to vote is, like, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at some other places, lines can be longer. But the most is every day. Like, it took me 20 minutes to vote. You know, like... For a bunch of people, all you know, right. all down from the federal level to, mm-hmm. you know, really small local things, and you got to have. I, I feel like you have to engage with it all. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I I definitely feel like when I make these phone calls, when someone's like, "Call your senator to tell them don't let you know Jeff Sessions become mm-hmm. attorney general, or whatever," that sometimes feels like disempowering but I'm also eh, it took me five, you know, yeah, a just, few minutes I try to balance those things of like am I creating something that could exist with outside of the what we, the system we have whether it's elect, you know electoral politics Trump the corporate control of all, and at the same time how do I have a part in it I think, you know, you can't, you know, it might turn out that, like, yeah, democracy is always going to be how people engage in it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think people, I think that one of the things that gives me hope is that the core of it, I think most people really do believe in, like, American democracy. And, like, they're fooled by a lot of things or we're fighting on a lot of things, but ultimately... People do believe in that, hmm. and I, I think that that gives me. We have for electoral politics to continue to 
kind of move somewhat towards the direction that we want, mm -hmm. I think it has to be really reaching out to people and why did you <laughs> vote for this person? And locally too, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that feeds so much into the national car, who were we voting for in the state level and the city council level and. I mean, well, I guess I come away with it thinking like, but libraries. <laughs> yeah. I love libraries and we have to agree together to pitch in to make yeah. a library happen and not all of us have time to be on the committee yeah. and we trust other we trust yeah. someone to take to, to th who think we think thinks well yeah. and that's elect then suddenly we're in electoral politics yeah, yeah. so oh thank you so much Yo, yeah thanks for having me I think this I, I love listening to the conversations like this so I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you. Thanks.